0: Please keep in mind that past performance is not indicative of future performance.
1: Today's episode is part of our financial resilience mission here at Rask Australia.
0: Our mission at Rask is to help build up the financial resilience of every Australian and Kiwi, and to do that, we need your help. The definition of resilience, according to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, is the capability of a strained body to recover its size and shape after deformation caused especially by compressive stress, or an ability to recover from or adjust easily to misfortune or change.
1: So how does that relate to financial resilience? Financial resilience is all about having the resources and tools that you need to overcome financial setbacks in your life. So what are we doing to achieve this mission?
0: We provide free financial education courses for all Australians at Resk Education.
1: We're also calling on Aussies and Kiwis who have overcome financial challenges and want to inspire others on their journey.
0: If you've paid down 20k of debt, or maybe even more, or if you've come back from unemployment, dealt with domestic and financial abuse, even if you've made a million dollars, whatever your financial Everest was or is, we want to hear how you climbed it and how you overcame it. We're also producing high-quality financial news and information on our sites at RAS Media, Best ETFs, and RAS Education.
1: We're running an online community that you can join for everyone to share their financial highs and lows with each other because we know how important it is to have a community when you're trying to improve your own personal finances.
0: We're hosting events, or we've hosted events, and we plan to host a lot more, as well as workshops that will help you build your financial skills and connections in the community.
1: And we're also employing individuals at Rask Australia who live by our values and are committed to improving the financial lives of others.
0: So what can you do to help us with this mission? The first thing you can do is volunteer to share your story of overcoming financial challenges and building financial resilience. You can do that and you can share your story with us by using a Google form. You'll see the link in the description for this episode that will take you to a Google form where you can share your details with us.
1: We'd also love if you encouraged your friends, family and colleagues to take one of our free financial courses at RASC Education, because that's a great way to help build financial resilience within your community.
0: And finally, please consider joining our Facebook group where you can learn from others, you can share your experiences or your opinion, and you can build connections with other Australians taking control of their financial futures. We'll put a link in the description.
1: So without further ado, here's today's fantastic listener story.
0: Thanks for joining me on the Australian Finance Podcast. It's great to be back, Owen. Another listener story and a really, I guess, motivating one for people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We've got Dean on today to talk a little bit about his journey getting out of debt. And his is a little bit different as he only came to Australia in sort of the last few years. So we've had a lot of listener requests to talk more about uh, international students and expats and all sorts of things. So Dean's the perfect person to share his story and I'll just pass it over to you Dean to sort of kick off um, coming to Australia and your journey from there.
2: Yep, thanks thanks Kate. Thanks for having me firstly. And uh, I don't know if I'm the perfect person but I can certainly try. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, so so like you said, I came to Australia in 2017. It's going to be 4 years um, which is pretty pretty cool. It's mm-hmm. it's gone by pretty quickly. And so I'm originally from India, I decided to to move to Australia and Uh, in 2016 to to study and then was hopeful to get a job and kind of um, hopefully try and settle in Australia, kind of have a better life, I guess. When I came in, when I was planning to come to Australia, obviously the first thing that comes to your mind is kind of finances. That's the major portion of the move. Being an international student, the fees the fees for education are kind of like four to five times more than what any domestic student would pay. And so first things first, my parents weren't as wealthy as I hoped they would be. (laughs) I kind of uh, had to go through the entire process of getting a student loan back from one of the banks in my country. And as any loan would work, I believe, uh, like in Australia, I had to, my parents had to kind of help me out with it because back in India, there's no such thing as part-time jobs or casual jobs as there is in Australia. And, uh, you kind of need a degree for everything to kind of to get a job. Even if you wanted to work at a restaurant, you kind of need like hotel management degree. And so where growing up, pretty much studies was the only thing that my parents had focus on and uh, living expenses were kind of covered by my parents, as most parents would do. So I had no savings whatsoever. And to get this hideous student loan that we had kind of figured out to be about 120 grand for... Uh, the cost of my education here in Australia. So to get that kind of money, obviously it's it's way more when when you do the currency conversions and all that sort of stuff. And Australia's currency is way higher than the Indian currency. So in Indian rupees, it amounted to be a humongous number. But I guess, like I said, loans being loans, my parents had to kind of be a guarantor or like put down a flat twenty percent kind of deposit in a way. So I kind of got got about ninety six grand from the bank, whereas the twenty percent above that came from my parents as as a guarantor but that wasn't the only thing they had to also give their house up as as mortgage, I guess so that mm-hmm. in the event that I wasn't able to pay back my loan years down the line then they just the bank would just kind of sell the house as you know so so it was a lot of pressure. Uh, my parents went back and forth between, oh, is it worth really sending me to Australia? Like, it's it's a huge risk, as you'd, as you'd know. But finally, they kind of came to terms with, all right, we trust our son enough to kind of, you know, figure this process out. And they were obviously there throughout the entire process to kind of help me if I needed it. So trust was a major factor coming coming to Australia with that sort of money.
0: So... Did they, did you go to them and say, can you support me going to Australia to study? Or did they say to you, were they encouraging you to go and come here?
2: Uh, That's a good question. Firstly, because my parents always wanted to move out of India, but I guess they never had the opportunity to, or rather stayed back because their parents wanted to live in India because of sentimental value and all that sort of stuff. They stayed back in India to kind of take care of them. And so growing up, I... It was always at the back of my mind that I wanted to move out of India as well and kind of Mm -hmm. finally be able to get my parents out of India, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. When I was studying back home, studies was kind of not really working out because I I studied geology, so that's that's my profession. Mm -hmm. I'm a geologist. Uh, Geology is a very practical field, and and back in India, I kind of didn't really get that exposure to like field trips and, and the practical experience. So that's where my entire journey of going to Australia began because uh, geology is such a big thing in Australia Mm -hmm. I kind of went to my parents and said look this is not really working out and it's going to be a lot harder to move if I have to eventually because the education system is so different and I'm not learning the things that I should be or that I think I should be anyway and it's kind of sucking out the fun from a career point of view just just studying what I was not meant to that makes sense. Yeah. So I, I took these options. I did my research. I was pretty pretty good at trying to convince my parents <laughs> and go with them with good research so they can not think as much about it and hopefully let me do stuff. Like I said, I went, went to them with all this research about applying abroad and the cost that it would take. And, and that's how the entire thing came about.
0: It sounds to me that $120,000 even here in Australia, if you're working or your parents were working, is a lot of money. And you said it's a humongous number in India. I mean, yep. I, I can't imagine. I feel like that's a lot of money. Like, it is, Are you able to give us some context? Like would that $120,000 Australian dollars in India be like the a, a value of a house or something like that?
2: Yeah, probably. Well, like here, here itself, depending on the suburb and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff and the size of the house. But to give you a, kind of a gist of what the currency relates to, back back home for lunch, I'd probably pay about $2 for a good meal.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: And you can imagine that here is probably about $15 to $20. Yeah. So it is pretty expensive here in Australia.
0: Okay. So you, you've convinced your parents that it's a good idea. You've sorted it out at the bank and your parents have put up some collateral. So did you know which uni you wanted to go to? Uh,
2: I had a choice. Well, not, not a choice. Rather, I applied to five different universities and I was happy to go to any one of them because I was so desperate to get out of the country. Mm-hmm. But... I was kind of banking on UQ in Brisbane just because I had a cousin who was already um, studying there, and she's from Canada, so different pathways. But I knew she was there, and one of my my friends from university back home, uh, he had moved a semester before me and got into studying at the same university. So I was kind of hoping to get into UQ one because it's one of the top universities in the world, and secondly because I knew that I'd have at least two people as a support system.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and once you got over here, I'm assuming that the loan only paid for the education part. So how did you support yourself through university and go through the process of finding somewhere to live and um, I guess putting a roof over your head?
2: That's a good question, Kate. Like I said, moving into house wasn't as much of a trouble for me because my cousin was here and she Mm. kind of helped me through the process. So she managed to get me a house close by to where she was. And obviously I gave her my criteria. I I told her nothing more than $140 on rent per week. And she managed to find a house. It kind of worked out really well because one of her friends was moving out and then I just moved into his room kind of thing. Mm. So in terms of housing wise, that worked out really well. But when I first came to Australia, I kind of came with some of my parents' savings. I, I told them I needed at least six months to kind of find work just because I didn't have any work experience back home and I thought it'd be really hard. I was reading up all these articles that said it's so hard for international students to find work. So I, I kind of used six months to kind of tell my parents that I needed six months worth of savings before I can actually start paying for myself. And then that, that's what I did. I came to Australia and then didn't really waste much time because at the back of my head, I had this entire big loan that I would have to pay off. and. My parents having mortgage gets their house, I didn't want them to lose it. It was just really, really hard uh, as, as good as it was to come to Australia. It was really hard. Yeah, like I said, I got straight into it. I started applying for jobs and all those stories that they they say about finding it's hard to find work, not just for international students, for anyone in general, it's really hard to find work, but especially international students. It, it was really hard. I spent three months from memory just sending out emails, going door-to-door to ask people if they had jobs. And I remember distinctly going through the statistics later and I, I found about 407 uh, rejection emails that I'd got, many more people who didn't even reply to my job application. So yeah, so that took about three months before and 407 rejection emails before I actually found my first first job, which was a door-to-door sales job. And that, that itself was based on just... Commission and there was no like salary. It was make a sale, get fifty dollars kind of thing. But I didn't have a choice. Uh, I just got straight into it, and as you can imagine, it can be really hard, especially managing full time university and then having to go to work door to door sales, knowing not knowing whether you're going to make any income for the day.
0: How many sales would you make a day on a
2: good day or a bad day? I happened to make one sale, and in in like a span of a week, yeah, a week of working non-stop and just kind of, yeah, not making any money. But yeah, like I said, that job didn't last very long because I I kept applying for different jobs and I finally got a job at a restaurant, which I was more than happy to do because I knew I was going to get a steady income or, well, at least almost a steady income
0: anyway. So... You were studying during the week and working on weekends and in the evening? Yes, that's right. It was mainly
2: evenings and then, yeah, Saturday, Sunday would be the high peak days when I'd go. But bear in mind, I had restrictions on my work hours as well because international students during university can work only 20 hours a week or 40 hours a fortnight. But I did try and max out on those hours just because... Throughout this entire process of university I kept kind of paying back the interest on my loan and a bit of the principal amount. How
0: did you man- how did you manage that? With twenty hours of work a week, you're paying 140 on rent, you got a pretty hefty loan. Like how did you find money to eat and to do all the other things in life? But I'm I'm glad
2: you asked that question because I'm not too sure if UQ is special or it works pretty much similarly in different universities. But I, I cracked up that I, I had that restaurant job and then I managed to focus on university for the first semester. And so it wasn't too bad. I managed to, through a few recommendations from professors, I managed to to get two tutoring jobs at university as well. So I had three jobs in my first semester. Mm. So I had three flows of income coming in, which was not too bad, but it was enough to pay the bills. And living at that expenditure of $140 in rent, which was obviously a lot of money, because in the first year when I came here, I'd keep converting it back into my currency and just... Yeah, it was it was not a very good thing. So a tip for international students is stop converting currencies because it never really ends well. <laughs> it freaks you out a lot more. But yeah, nonetheless, I my bills apart from rent, my electricity and water bills were to a minimum. So like it probably worked out to be one sixty in total. And with groceries, I managed to keep that down to anywhere between twenty to not more than fifty dollars a week. Uh, I managed to yeah just not spend as much. And I'll, I'll tell you how, which is why I said, I don't know if UQ is pretty special or you get the help from different universities as well. Uh, universities as well. So at UQ, they, the union or, or whatever, the committee, uh, student commit, com- committee at the university organized free food, like free breakfast on Mondays and Thursdays and free dinner on Tuesdays. That's the first thing that came up to my mind. I was like, well, if I want to cut down on groceries or expenditure in itself, I'm going to make the most of the free stuff that I get at university. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I didn't didn't really think twice. I'd stand in line, get my breakfast and dinner. <laughs> and over and above that, we'd have companies coming in to obviously pitch jobs and student societies, so to say, would, would kind of do it in such a way that there'd almost always be like a barbecue or something after... Uh, companies came to pitch in uh, what they do Mm. along with networking so that's something i always made sure i went to not just for the from the food point of it of point of it which was kind of a big deal because i was trying to save on money but also from a networking point of view so i i kind of made the most out of that and i managed to cut down expenditure by quite a bit and whatever else i'd put some money into like savings and like kind of send the rest
0: so the the loan that you took covered your study your books etc then you effectively funded for yourself how long was your degree and did we did you do it all here in australia
2: uh yes i did so so like i said I, I started university back in india but i did two years and then decided it wasn't working out very well so started from scratch so i i did a three degree in Australia yeah and then found a full-time job after that
0: like I imagine there's things that just come up like if you're spending $50 a week on groceries like if you have to buy a book or a textbook I mean you could go to the library but if you wanted to do something on a weekend I I imagine there's a lot of sacrifice involved
2: most certainly say
0: that life at university while
2: I enjoyed it I and I have no regrets but it's the quality of lifestyle was pretty low Mm. a normal week essentially be going to university. I hated online lectures, so I'd always attend lectures. I pretty much had an attendance rate of probably like 95%. And then it was easier because my tutoring jobs were at university, so I'd save a lot of time. And also universities pay quite well because it's casual jobs. So in terms of that, I'd save quite a bit of time. So I'd get all my university work done during the week. And on Saturday. The same thing, I'd spend mornings doing university work and uh, evenings kind of working at the restaurant. But Sunday would be a time for me to kind of just cut back and like refresh. So in the mornings, I'd, I'd do voluntary work uh, for St. Vinny's where I'd go around with, I'm a church goer. So I'd spend time with this beautiful bunch of church going people and like help out the community. And I, I think voluntary work is such an important part because not only it builds your resume uh, and it most definitely helped me in getting my first job that was one of the first things I did when I came to Australia sign up for voluntary work and that that really helped but also the satisfaction you get of helping other people who are like worse off than you so the joy that I'd get from doing that was was pretty special and then yeah Sunday was just a time where I just Hang out with friends, but like you said, it was it was really hard because when my friends would go out for like parties or like go out for university balls and stuff, it was really hard to to say no most of the times because I just didn't have the money or I just didn't want to spend the money, and yeah, it was it was really hard. But I knew it was a short term struggle for a few years, and then eventually I'd be able to do more things once I got out of this debt and all that sort of stuff. Uh, So yeah, it, it was definitely hard not living the usual general student university life. But I think it's very important that you find a good supportive bunch of friends. I was pretty lucky because not only my university friends, but like my like I said, my church going friends were, were pretty supportive. And I think, yeah, good friends understand the situation and are still friends with you throughout it all. And that's exactly what happened with me, uh, even though I missed out on so much of the outgoing stuff and it also helped that I I didn't because of that and in general I just never acquired the taste to alcohol so I'd save a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) I'll save a bit. That would save quite a bit. Mm -hmm. It was hard but I had the right support system I guess.
1: Yeah absolutely and I I know you you mentioned um, when we were talking offline that you've actually finally managed to pay down all of that debt that you had taken on and you did that through some vacation work as well which would have been quite challenging. That's that's right so part of finding a
2: full-time job was trying to get work experience while I was at university and so I, I attended all the networking sessions and and kind of did as much of as many things I could in my field while while doing university and outside work to kind of finally be able to get vacation work in 2018 like in my second year of university. As a geologist, I, I work in the mining industry and it's pretty good. You, you're, you're taken care of, or at least my company took care of me. So they sent me on a flight to this remote area where I knew I was going to spend Christmas and everything there. Uh, it was a Monday to Friday roll and I'd go to work, come back and live in this small camp room and just go to bed and wake up the next morning. So again, it was quite a difficult lifestyle, but it was in a way, it was easier for me because I didn't have family to go back to anyway. So it, it was a bit easier to kind of live that life for, for four months. Um, and during that time, they took care of pretty much all my living expenses and my food and everything. So, so you were able to put most of that money straight into paying back your loan. That's right. I, I did put most of it towards my loan and I, I, I saved the other half of it. And that that's kind of one of my mistakes because I had a – healthy emergency fund in a way because bear in mind I didn't have to I didn't have to pay my loan I just started paying it off because I knew in the long run it would be a bit more helpful but my actual mm-hmm. loan start date was after I fit like six months after I finished my university degree okay yeah so I had that time but I just thought interest would accumulate so I just I'm better off paying it yeah but my my biggest mistake was having that having my ComBank account and not realizing that the the saver's account of the net bank saver wasn't a high interest saving account, and so I I kept putting away savings and compounding interest wasn't working because it was like zero point one percent or something. <laughs> it was yeah, it was it was horrible when I realized that that happened. But yeah, so so vacation work definitely helped me kind of get a full time job, but also kind of pay down bills massively because uh, I was working. 45 to 50 hours a week, there's no restrictions during your break on the number of hours you can work. So that was pretty good. Yeah. Okay, so you're a bit strategic
1: about how you could get the the work in during the study year and when you're in breaks as well.
2: Yeah, that's right. And like I said, I didn't go back to Brisbane for Christmas. So I just yeah stayed and made the most of my time. So I didn't, didn't have to spend on flights and all this additional expenditure that comes about with Christmas, giving gifts and like all that <laughs> sort of stuff. So I managed to save pretty well over that that break. And then once that break got over, my company was pretty happy with me. And I had I had a really, really good manager. He kept me on part-time while I uh, was studying in my final year of university, which, which was really handy because now I could then leave the restaurant job, which the pay wasn't as much. And also it was a lot more harder compared to working in my field and working a corporate office job. So that was really handy. So I had my UQ tutoring job and I had my part-time geology job at the corporate office, which then helped me network more and kind of build up my work resume and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, I think it was really important uh, having a blessing in terms of my manager and
0: just, yeah, it was it was a nice situation. Let's fast forward a little bit. You, you finished the degree. At that time, two questions. Did you go straight into work with the company that you were already working with and then what you needed to pay off by then? What you wanted to? No,
2: definitely not.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I still had heaps of
2: uh sizable amount to pay off anyway. But yes, I did go on uh to working full time for the same company. And like I said, they were pretty good to me. So they pretty much paid off my work w- visa expenditure. So they kind of sponsored me in a way. And that allowed me to kind of spend that money to get my parents to Australia for the first time for my graduation. Uh that was pretty special. Yeah, that would have been. Yeah. And during this process for some reason, one of the girls I was studying with managed to like me at university and we got into a relationship. So she was with me through that entire last year, through all the highs and all the lows. And at the end of, we both graduated at the same time. And uh, she said, nothing doing. We've had such a stressful, stressful few years and we are going for a holiday. And I was like, I don't really have any money because I just put everything towards the loan and I yeah. bought a second-hand car that I needed for full-time work. And she she was pretty good to me and she kind of loaned me that money and we went for a holiday to Singapore and Thailand for a few weeks. And so there there again, I was more in debt, but, <laughs> uh, but it was kind of necessary for just trying to take a bit of a holiday in like three years, so seems like it would have been a pretty full-on few years and you definitely needed a break by then yeah that's right I didn't realize it but she did so I'm really grateful to her (laughs) yep so fast forward we came back from the holiday and yeah I got straight into full-time work first things first I paid off my girlfriend for the amount she loaned me for loaned me for the holiday and uh, that's when this next part I don't know if you guys being into finance are gonna like this but here's the interesting thing I did here we go (laughs) Differently, my my parents always owned credit cards. Their finance was not a thing we'd speak about at home, but they always told me, "Look, credit cards are bad, but if you make good use of it and you pay your bills on time, it's it can be quite helpful." And believe it or not, my partner introduced me to like the Barefoot Investor, and I'm I'm more into finance than she is. She she kind of hates me for liking finance so much, but. <laughs> But yeah, she introduced me to the Barefoot Investor and then I got into your podcast and stuff. So everyone pretty much says the same thing. Don't get a credit card. And the first thing I did when I came back from my holiday was, as you can imagine, I went and got a credit card. <laughs> and the reason I did this was because I decided that it was more important for me to kind of pay off my loan, keep my expenditure to a minimal. So that credit card essentially allowed me to have a $1,000 extra every month, if that makes sense. I just used that credit card for my expenditure for the month. And I kept it below $1,000 every month. And as soon as I got my pay, I'm paid every month. I'd pay off my credit card and I'd send all the money back home to pay off my loan. So I didn't didn't have an emergency fund. I I sent everything back home for, I didn't have an emergency fund for almost eight months. And it was Mm -hmm. all during COVID, which was kind of scary and yeah. something I'd recommend anyone to do, or I'm sure no financial advisor or financially literate person would advise anyone to do.
1: Yeah. So what, what was the feeling like when you finally made the last payment on the loan?
2: To be honest, uh, there were a there were few tears. <laughs> Anything, right? Like once you have that burden lifted off, it opens so many more doors to do so many different things that you didn't in the past. And so now after paying off that last amount, I could now have savings. I could now have an emergency fund. I could now invest. And it probably would have taken the pressure off your parents as well, knowing their house isn't on the line for this loan anymore. That's right. Yeah, things were pretty intense for the last few months. And that that's kind of what prompted me to not have an emergency fund as well, because my parents were suffering in the background, because as Australia was getting better, India kept getting worse with COVID, and like yeah. there were no jobs. And parents being parents, they obviously didn't let me know the struggles, but I knew as a son that it was not working out very well. And so I didn't want them to suffer. So I wanted them to have that piece. So I said, well, if worse comes to worse, I'll lose my job. I'll figure something out. The money didn't matter to me as much as the the piece for them. Look, in the long run, it, it worked out well. Like I said, I wouldn't recommend anyone doing that. But I thought I could take that risk and I did. And it's worked out well for me.
0: Do you now look back on it and think to yourself, well, if I can do that, I can kind of do whatever I want to you know in terms of finances I can save if I can live on $140 rent and less than $200 probably all up for living expenses you can kind of do anything
2: yeah look I'm not not financially the best person but I'm definitely not financially the worst at saving so that being said with a full-time job my lifestyle has increased for the better but it's still not as bad I'd still try and save most of my salary but yeah when it comes to I'm pretty happy with where I am financially now. And I I, yeah. I think it's only going to get better from here. Mm.
1: So it sounds like you're a lot more confident with your finances now than when you were before because you know that you could pay off this debt and you could build an emergency fund and things like that.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah.
0: It's it's an interesting thing. Do you think you're more resilient? That's the name of our kind of mini-series, as you know, Dan. Do you, do you think that you're more resilient now? Um, just, I guess, emotionally and financially? Yeah, most definitely. Like I
2: said... An experience like this can either make you or break you, really. Mm. And fortunately for me, it's helped me tremendously. And I'm not, not saying that like people go through worse and people go through better, but this experience for me was, was overwhelming and, and beneficial at the same time. And I'm glad I've come out on the other side being better than what I was, I guess.
0: So what's next for you in terms of your finances? Is there anything you want to achieve or something you're saving for, or etc.? You're investing?
2: Yeah, so at the moment, put a halt on investing f- since the last month because I need to save up a sizable amount to get my permanent residency. So hopefully mm-hmm. I get all that sorted out next year, which is pretty exciting. I'm yeah. hoping everything turns out well and I, I can be a permanent resident. But yeah, that, that costs a lot. So uh, that's why I put mm-hmm. a halt on uh, investments. But yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not that keen on on buying a house. I think that's all right because I still have a few years before I can save for a house and, like, get one. My my girlfriend, on the other hand, she loves houses. She's been saving for a house since she was 16. And uh, she's finally signed her contract this month. And um, I'm totally into the share market. I, I think we found that good balance between the both of us.
1: <laughs> Sounds yeah. a Good balance. So I guess... Dean, to, to sort of finish off, if you wanted to give like a few tips to any potentially international students that are listening to the podcast, what would your big lessons that you've learnt be?
2: The, well, I guess this applies not only for international students, but just anyone in general is that, mm. I guess people don't know your story and they don't know what you're going through. So don't don't kind of let them... Don't kind of let them stop you if you think they're judging you for what you're doing. So like, like for instance, when I used to go line up for free food, like you'd see people looking at you and you'd kind of feel ashamed because you're lining up for free food. But like, it never really stopped me because at the back of my head, I knew that I was doing it for a greater cause and no one really knows mm. my story. So. so I guess don't let anyone judge you. Save as much as you can. And if, if you have a loan that's causing you more interest than the savings account, then try and pay that down as soon as you can. That's kind of what I'd, I'd have to say and make make the most of all the opportunities, whether it's voluntary work or, or finding a job, just try and make the most of the experience and it will get better as time goes.
1: I think they they sound like some pretty solid takeaways from today's episode.
0: Yeah they do indeed Dean it's I think hearing your story you come across as very humble. I don't think it's just from this experience alone, but um, I think there's a lesson in that for everyone. I really like your takeaway of you know no one else no one knows your story, so don't let them judge you. Yeah, I think that's a big thing for people in the finance space, right, is the shame that you feel if you if everyone kind of looks at you um, because you do something differently. But, you know, in this case, you said making the most of the free lunches. I used to love those free lunches at uni and the sausage sizzles and all that sort of stuff. Um, but then also, you know, people think that, hey, you know, I, I, I've got to say no to going out tonight because I just can't afford to spend $100 and there's, there's shame in that. And I think that's a really important takeaway that you shared with us. So, Dean, yeah, I think on behalf of Kate and I and all their our listeners, just thanks for taking the time out and sharing your story with us. Oh, thanks for having me, Owen and Kate. Thanks. It's been a pleasure. Kate, as always, thanks for joining me on the show. Thanks for listening.
1: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast, where our mission is to improve the financial futures of all Australians.
0: that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice AFSL 334107.